0: Hey, this is Maya. And I'm Stephanie. And you're listening to The What Project.
1: Where you'll hear inspiring stories of hope. Hey everyone, welcome back to The What Project. Excited for this episode. I've been waiting for this day for a while. I have the privilege of introducing my friend, and Maya's husband, James. Hi, James. Hey, everybody. So glad to have him and hear his God story and hear how God is uh, uh, working in his life and how he met the Lord. So, hey, why don't we just dive right in and get into it? Uh, So, James, tell us, how did you meet the Lord?
2: All right, thanks, Stephanie. So, I would say my testimony starts out probably similar to... A lot of people's testimonies. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home. We attended a Bible-believing church. We were taught about salvation, taught about you know what it means to be born again. That was kind of in my upbringing. And to be born again, from from what we know from Scripture, basically means to recognize that you are a sinner. It means that you believe that Jesus died for your sins. You accept Jesus into your heart as the the payment for that, and you repent from your sins. So that that was something that was just part of the culture of the church and our home growing up. That was just, you know, what we were taught. Um, Romans 10, 9, and 10 is one of the verses I'm going to read. And I think that, that really, for me, as I was taught this, and when I got a little older and it became... What I believed, Romans 10, 9, and 10, is really the verse that kind of spells it out the clearest. So I'm going to go ahead and read that. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So those verses, like I said, we were taught that, and I knew that, but... At that point in my life, it was basically just knowledge. I knew it. I, you know, I, I knew that that was what it meant to be born again. But there was no personal conviction for me in that circumstance at that point in my life.
0: At what age do you think, looking back, can you see where that started to change?
2: Well, actually, that's a great question. So when I was 13, my best friend was killed in a car accident. And obviously, that's an extremely difficult thing to go through as a teenager. Um, you know, it's it's just n- not only is it a hard time of life, but to have to have your best friend killed when you, you know, maybe don't quite understand you know life and death yet at that point is very difficult.
0: And but- you guys, because we were all friends, you guys were really close
2: yeah it was like the type of friend who you were sleeping over at their house probably every other week like we literally did everything together so it was a very very big like rock your world type of a situation
0: yeah and you were really shy as a kid like incredibly shy so that was like your home base for relationships
2: yep Yeah. And I can remember after that, it just being very, very odd, very weird, very difficult because it was like, you know, my guy was gone, you know? So I think, you know, looking back now as an adult, when I look back on that situation, I think I can kind of now see that he used that situation to kind of start to convict me and start to show me certain things you know, obviously in that situation, you don't necessarily take the the time to step back and look at it and say, well, what could God be teaching me through this? Because you're just, you're grieving, life is changing, you know, especially at that point in your life when you're uh, in adolescence, you know, you're just figuring it out all out, you know?
1: Yeah. It's like trying to recognize where is God in this moment?
2: Right. Yeah. And I think that As an adult, like I said, I can look back and start to see some of those things that I didn't even realize it at the time.
1: Right.
0: I think when you lose someone suddenly like that, too, it forces you to kind of reconcile with the fragility of our human body. And you kind of Hmm. have to come to terms with, do you believe there's more than this? Or is that the end?
2: Yeah. And I think... Again, as I think back, I can remember thinking things along the lines of, well, if I died, where would I go? Because death was obviously a very real part of my life at that time. It was really my first experience with major loss. So it kind of got the gears turning a little bit in regards to those questions about eternal life. And growing up, I understood eternal life, I understood salvation, but it was, again, just knowledge. We were taught growing up that the bible was true. I never really questioned that. But I had that knowledge, but at that point in, you know, in my life, it hadn't convicted me, you know, and it, it hadn't uh hadn't become to the hadn't come to the point where I had put my faith, my true faith in in Christ at that point.
0: You said that that kind of took place at age 13, right? Correct. So God kind of started to put some ideas into your head and cause the wheels to start turning and thinking. So what happened after that?
2: So during my growing up years, I had always gone to summer Bible camp. That was something that I had done with my best friend that passed away. And it really had kind of become, you know, something that you look forward to. I can't recall if it was the year that, that my friend passed away or the following year at Bible camp the camp counselor that we had he allowed us to stay up late after curfew and sneak to the chapel for a bible study and looking <gasps> yeah, right <laughs> looking back i'm pretty sure all the other leaders probably knew what was going on but as teenage boys we thought that was the coolest thing ever to um, be able to
0: sneak out and do a bible study right <laughs> you were my kind of guy way back then <laughs>
2: So, we were doing this Bible study with our counselor leading, and of course, he said, You guys get to pick the topic. And what do teenage boys want to study? Revelation. So, Revelation, obviously, <laughs> is the last book in the Bible. It talks about the end times, and uh, very complex, uh, uh, deep study,
0: but pretty graphic. Lots of violence. Yeah,
2: I don't recall a whole lot about the content of the study, but I do remember one night once we got back to the cabin and I was laying in bed and it just, I think the Holy Spirit really kind of revealed to me how real everything was in regards to eternal life and death and salvation. Because I remember having a moment where I was kind of like, oh, yeah, like it all kind of came together. And that knowledge I had from growing up and the experience that I had gone through with the death of my friend and the study on Revelation, it kind of all came together. And I think the that, you know, God just kind of opened my mind to it. And it's like all the dots connected. And I was like, wait a second. What I'm doing, even though I'm a quote-unquote church kid in a, sta- a stable home growing up, you know, doing the right thing according to the to the world's standards, that doesn't cut it. Right. That's not good enough. That's not going to get me to heaven.
1: It's not. It's not. Kind of just what we talked about last episode. It's, just, it's not about checking these boxes and doing just the church thing and just going to church and reading our Bible. You know, it's, it's more about a relationship with that.
0: Yeah, you can have the knowledge of what Christianity is and have some Bible knowledge, but that doesn't mean that you're a Christian.
2: Right. You know, and and I just, I can remember the exact cabin I was staying in. I can take you and show you the exact bunk that I was laying in that night. You know, I just, I remember it vividly, you know, and having the knowledge of salvation, you know, I just decided right then and there, like, this is this isn't something that i want to ignore anymore you know it made sense to me at that point and i knew that the lord was calling me so right there in my bunk i i prayed i uh, i asked for forgiveness and i accepted jesus into my heart and i just remember feeling a feeling the holy spirit come into my heart and i remember feeling like a sense of relief Like, even though I had been, quote-unquote, doing the right things, going to church according to the world standard, I was checking the boxes, I felt a a huge sense of relief knowing, like, that's not up to me. Eternal life isn't up to me. I accepted that gift, and now I can partake in that. So it was just one of those moments where you look back, you know, and you remember it, and you just are very thankful. I remember thinking that night, how simple it really was. And thinking to myself, like, well, why didn't I get it before? Like, I knew all this. I had the knowledge. But that moment when I truly, you know, got open my eyes, and I believed it with my heart, it was just, it was really neat to, to kind of experience that.
0: Did you tell your camp counselor?
2: To be honest, i do not sure if I can recall telling him or not. I was a very quiet, reserved child. didn't talk much. I kind of kept to myself. So I I don't know. I don't remember.
0: (laughs) It's just interesting to think about, because we've touched on this a little bit, that sometimes when you are doing ministry, you don't get to see the fruit of it at all. So it's kind of interesting to hear that your testimony, one of the things that was really impactful for you was that counselor and him letting you explore scripture at night and... You know, he maybe doesn't have any idea that that actually was one of the things that led to your coming to Christ.
2: Yeah, and that's a really interesting thing to think about, you know, because often when you're in ministry or you're doing things, you want to see that fruit from your labors. And not not all get to see that, you know, and Jesus uh, talks about in the parable about the seeds, you know,
0: Yeah, it's okay to be a seed planter. You're not always going to be the seed harvester, or you're not always going to be the person that sees the seed grow. Like sometimes your role is strictly to plant seeds. So be encouraged if you're actively in ministry to just know that you can be faithful with your words, you can be faithful with your actions, and you can trust the Lord with the work of the Holy Spirit and him transforming people's lives, because only he can do that. And he just asks us to be faithful and to not be ashamed of his gospel and his word. So after camp, did you go home and tell your parents? Did you see any changes in your life? Like Walk us through what happened after that knowledge became real for you and you started that relationship with Christ.
2: Yeah, so after that point, being in a stable home, continuing to go to church i wouldn't say that i had this huge drastic change in in my life or my behavior but what i did start to recognize is that the holy spirit was convicting me on those how how i was living my life you know as a teenager living at home under my parents roof you know there's there's some element of your kind of beginning to develop your faith as your own, but yet you're at home under your parents' guidance and, and at church. So I wouldn't say there was a huge drastic change, but I definitely could, could recognize that the Holy Spirit was convicting me on how I was living my life. I went through, as I'm sure a lot of teenagers do, I went through a time period there where I wouldn't say I was rebelling, but I was definitely living my life how I wanted to live it not necessarily holding much regard for my parents or their instructions or necessarily even the church. I'm very thankful that the Lord kind of kept me from getting too far down the road of rebellion. Uh, I didn't really end up getting into a lot of terrible things that I know a lot of teenagers end up in. Uh, But I could definitely recognize, I knew, you know, when I had those attitudes of whether it's not listening to my parents or wanting to do my own thing, I knew it. I knew it wasn't right. The Holy Spirit was working on me there. I would say when I was maybe 16 or 17, I kind of had one, a moment where I was like, well, wait a second. If I want to grow up and move out and begin my own life, like I need to really buckle down. I need to make this faith my own. I can't ride on my parents' coattails anymore. You know, I'm growing up and it's time. So at that point, I really took the remainder of my time at home living with my parents to dive into the scripture and kind of develop my own opinions and my own worldview, not necessarily just the opinions and worldview of my parents or the church.
0: Can you walk us through some examples of how you did that? Like, What are some changes that you made when you came to that realization that you wanted it to be your own, not just your parents?
2: Well, I mean, I'd say there's several changes. One being that in regards to church or youth group or, or studying the Bible, actually paying attention <laughs> or paying more <laughs> attention, I should say, but actually looking to grow through Bible studies and teaching and preaching the word. You know, reading the scriptures on my own, on my own time, obviously, diving through, doing topical studies. What does the Bible say about this? reading all those verses, determining what what they mean, what does the Bible say about that, attending Bible studies, obviously seeking out rather than just going on Sundays and Wednesdays because that was what you did. Maya and I actually were able to teach some of the youth programs at our church, uh, and teaching is an incredibly good way to learn Scripture because it kind of forces you in, and it forces you to dig deep and actually discover the true meaning i would say that was probably a huge learning experience for me
0: yeah i think when you teach too you have to really think about if you believe it or not because if you're actually going to like verbally tell someone else like this is right this is good you have to believe it yeah yeah and we had a really cool opportunity to every sunday night you and I and one of our friends, every once in a while someone else would come, but we would just like open up scripture and study. And we grew so much through that because you know, we were all teenagers at the time. And you know, we we just got in the habit of looking to scripture to answer our questions and to form our opinions. And, you know, so it'd be like some of the topics were very teenager-ish, like, <laughs> you know, what does the Bible say about drinking? And we would just spend the whole night like looking up every time that it's mentioned and what is God's attitude on it? Or, you know, what is it? How does God view marriage? All these things. We just, every Sunday night, we very diligently got together and just studied scripture that way. That's where I fell in love with the Strong's Concordance.
2: <laughs> and there's no replacement for scripture. No. You know, there's a lot of good teaching out there, but to simply open the Bible and see what it says and to dissect those verses, to really find the, find what the meaning is, I mean, there's no replacement for that. And you learn so much when you just, you open the word and jump in. And it can be time consuming and it can be difficult and... You might open that Strong's Concordance and there's like 300 occurrences of that word and you're like, all right, here we go. <laughs> but you learn so much through that. And that's really a, a great way to to strengthen your faith.
0: Yeah, and I think it's so important to look at those topics that you're presented with all of the time and actually like do topical studies like that. You know, what does the Bible say about this current issue? What does the Bible say about this situation in my life? Because there are answers there. And the more you do that, and the more you study it, and the more you see how Romans relates to Genesis, and you're going back and forth, the more you understand, I think, God's character more fully. yeah, And you can understand why certain things happen. And I think it gives you a better idea of his sovereignty and... Know, there's just so much to glean from having a good foundation in Scripture.
2: And as an adult, as a believer, we have the helper. One of the things I found interesting is, as an adult, you can open up the Bible and you can do a study on something that you did study years ago and read through all those verses again and have something else kind of stand out to you. And you can look at that and say, oh, that's really interesting. That's how... That's how these verses are applying to me now in this current situation with the current um, events happening in the world and current cultural issues. It's just, it's really interesting to continue to go back to Scripture, to find those answers, and to have the Lord continue to reveal those things to you.
1: Yeah. So you're now a parent, and you have four awesome kids, but as a leader of the household, how does Scripture and God play into just leading your family?
2: I would say it plays into everything, like literally everything. And uh, I believe it's in Deuteronomy is where it talks about reading the scriptures while you um, discussing the scriptures with your children as you walk, as you talk, as you go along the way, as you rise, as you lie down. You know, I think that's something that you just, you have to do. And I think Having the upbringing that I had, I had a lot of that knowledge, and when when I matured enough to have a better understanding of that knowledge, that knowledge helped me in regards to not only getting saved, but as I go through life, well, what does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about that? I think that's something that, as parents, we are simply called to do with our kids.
0: I think we try to do this often. We don't always. But to take the time when you're teaching or when you're having a disagreement with your kids or when you're disciplining, to teach them the why in Scripture. Don't just say, don't lie. Why don't we lie? What are some reasons? How does it affect other people? What does Scripture say about it? Give them that meat and potatoes of Scripture so they can start to have that knowledge on their own and really encourage them to be looking to scripture for those answers. Like sometimes we have the kids write a verse that pertains to an issue they're having, or sometimes we sit down and study it together, or we try to read scripture just as a family often, spending time praying. Like, yeah, I think it's just a part of who we are. So it automatically becomes a part of how we parent and what we do in our home.
2: And I think it's a really important element not to miss because certain personality types Like myself, if you just tell me, hey, don't do that, I'm going to say, I'm going to go do it and find out what happens. Like you can tell me. (laughs)
0: Which is the direct opposite of me.
2: (laughs) That is very true. I'm very much like, I'm going to learn this for myself. But I think equipping your children with the why, like Maya said, I think is really important because I guess really when you don't, it becomes a lot like religion really. Religion is is really doing something because it's what you have done in the past and what you were told to do. There's no true relationship or reasoning there. It's just tradition. And I think as you want your kids as they grow up and go out into the world on their own to understand, well, why shouldn't I be lying to everybody? Not just that I don't lie to everybody because my parents told me not to, but why, why is it bad? And I think that's something that parents should really work hard at communicating with their children.
0: Yeah. I think the other thing too is recognizing God throughout your day and life in different ways to show the relationship part of it. It isn't just something we do sometimes. It's little things like, wow, Look at that beautiful sunset that God painted. Or oh, do you see how what we've been praying about, how it's affected the person we've been praying for? Or I'm struggling with this sin and you know I'm struggling with this sin. So this is what I'm doing to try to help myself overcome it. And I'm asking God for help. And you know, those are the that's kind of the relationship that we have with God. So we try to be open and honest with our kids. So that they see that it isn't just a religious thing.
2: There's one more thing I want to add in regards to that. Um, and that when you're raising kids and doing your best to teach them the scripture and the why, it's important to note that it, it is really hard as a parent. It is difficult to stop and take the time to do that. And that's some, definitely something that I've struggled with. Because I like to be busy and doing things and on to the next thing. But I think it's really important to note that it takes effort and it's important to put that effort in.
0: Yeah. And we also fully recognize that a relationship with Jesus is a personal thing that's an individual choice. So we love the Lord and we want to pass that on to our children, but we can't do that for them. Ultimately, each of our kids has to decide and pick. What they believe and how they want to live their life. So, you kind of told us that some of the changes were you know, you started to read your Bible, you recognized that you wanted this to be your own faith, you started to pay attention during sermons, did some teaching. Uh, was there anything else that happened? Did you get baptized?
2: Well, at that point, I was really excited to grow up and move out and start my own thing. So I did move out and went to college. I was going to school in Chicago, and I was really excited for that for several reasons. I'm a very independent person, and I wanted to just be on my own, doing my own thing. But one of the things that I I really enjoyed about that was picking a church to go to. I ended up going to, at that time, it was Harvest Bible Chapel in Rolling Meadows, and it was a monstrous church, just massive What I had grown up with was very small, so it was very exciting, and I really enjoyed the teaching and the preaching there. So that was another big part of growing in my faith, was kind of picking and doing my own thing, going to church and learning that way. I can specifically remember one Sunday, James McDonald was doing a message on baptism, and I knew what baptism was. I had seen plenty of baptisms. And the teaching growing up, baptisms were a public proclamation of your faith. And basically, kind of like in First Peter three twenty one, it says the pledge of a good conscience towards God. You're really uh, telling everyone that, hey, I am committing, I am following Jesus. And i I always was like, yeah, that's you know that's great. I'll do that. I'm gonna yep. I'm gonna get baptized next time. You know, oh, the next time there's an opportunity, I'll do it. And it was just kind of one of those always next time things. uh, Partially because I was petrified of standing in front of people or talking, (laughs) (laughs) because that's just how I was when I was younger.
1: And now you're on a podcast.
2: (laughs) And now I'm on a podcast. Go figure. (laughs) But I remember that Sunday, I could not have left there without being baptized. The Holy Spirit just said, "Nope, this is this is it. This is your Sunday to get baptized. You're going to go get baptized." So and obviously I wasn't prepared, but thankfully the church was with clothes and <laughs> towels and all that sort of stuff. But I stood up in front of a church of thousands of people and gave my testimony and got de- got baptized there. So definitely something that was outside of my comfort zone. I probably never would have done it on my own accord, but I got baptized, and I, I know at that point I remember calling Maya. Uh, and I called my parents and my sisters, but it was one of those moments where just part of my faith deepening and becoming my own and growing up. So, and then after college, I moved back and started working and we got married. And
0: the rest is history.
2: That's
0: no. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I have always felt like, oh, I wish I would have been there at your baptism. That would have been so cool. It was
2: pretty cool to be in such a massive church in front of so many people. I really miss going to church in that setting.
0: Yeah. One thing I notice in your story that you bring up often is just how key the Holy Spirit was. There were things and people happening around you that taught you and influenced you, but God had a very personal conversation and presence with you that impacted you and caused you to make changes.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I would say in those moments, especially, you know, when I was younger, I didn't necessarily recognize that it was the Holy Spirit, but I just, you knew, like you felt the prompting. And when you, when I got older and became a little bit more mature in my faith, then it you can pick up and say, oh yeah, that's right. The Holy Spirit was there helping me and guiding me. Definitely.
0: I knew you through all of this time and definitely saw a lot of growth in you. So it's cool to kind of be on the other side with you and have this conversation. And kind of just talk through all those little pieces of the puzzle that came together to make you who you are now. And I think, too, it was evident to me, especially as we got into our older teenager years, That you were making this choice for yourself, which, you know, you were choosing to pursue God and to use your time in ways that were honoring to him and give up habits that were poor or...
2: I think it's important to note, too, that it isn't always the easiest choice to do. Even after you are saved and you do have the Holy Spirit helping, it's still a conscious choice that you have to make. And we do at times fail, and it is difficult, even as an adult, to take the, the time that you know you should take when you're reading Scripture and meditating and, on it and praying. And I think that that's something I've recognized in my own life, that it can be difficult and it does take that effort. You have to make the conscious choice to say, no, I'm not going to be too busy. I am going to study my Scripture or pray.
0: Yes. And I think too, it's not usually the most popular route to take (laughs) to listen to God's word and follow it. More often than not, you're going to be the minority.
2: Yes, definitely. And I can definitely recognize that throughout the time I got saved to now, whether it be in my group of peers or friends or people that I was going to college with or co-workers, you know, it, it isn't the most popular choice to make those decisions and to live your life that way. And sometimes from the outside, it does look kind of different. Or they'd say, well, why are you doing that? Why are you taking that job? Why are you doing, you know, going down that path? But I think that's part of being a Christian, part of following the leading of the Holy Spirit.
0: Yeah, definitely, because we're trying to live our life in a way that's obedient and true to Christ and what he teaches, and that's not everyone else's goal, which is, it's an individual choice, so that's understood, and we accept that, but it doesn't always make sense to everybody else, and that's okay, because we're aiming to follow Christ in his footsteps, which is what disciple
2: means. Right. Right.
0: So if you haven't noticed, James and I agree on a lot of things.
2: We disagree on just as many,
0: though. Yes, that is true. We're very different in a lot of ways. But kind of like Stephanie and I, James and I agree on all the big things.
1: That's great.
0: (laughs) I think that's actually an important point, though, because I think oftentimes in the Christian realm, it feels like there's a lot of contention because everybody's trying to get everyone to agree with them, mm-hmm. which I mean, uh, I get it. I yeah. like it when I'm right. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're not right. <laughs> I uh. am. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like, I get it. And I think we should be reading our Bible and we should be passionate about what we believe. But I think you also have to be able to step back and say, like, we agree on all of this. Yeah. And we maybe disagree on this. But there is a time and a place to just focus on all of the things that you agree on. Yeah. And if Christ and the gospel are at the center of what you agree on, it's okay to disagree on other things. Yes. We don't have to like the same Christian music. We don't have to, you know, there's so many things that are secondary issues. Yes.
2: There's a a passage in the New Testament. I can't think off the top of my head where it is. But it basically says, an I'm going to summarize it, what difference does it make? The gospel is being preached. Yeah. And I think that that's really important to remember. And we've found that in ministry that Maya and I have done. When we can put to the side some of those secondary issues and focus on the gospel, how much more powerful we are when we come together as believers.
0: Yeah. And just let God be sovereign. Yes. There are lots of points I love to argue sometimes. I'm a debater. I like debating. But I also know how powerful God's Word is and how the Holy Spirit can work. And I think sometimes we just have to let the Holy Spirit and Scripture work. (laughs) You know, it's not our job to change people
2: we can't and convict people. them.
0: No, we can't. So it's okay to share the gospel and leave it at that sometimes or, yeah.
1: you know. I remember a quote, and this is by the great Billy Graham. It goes along the lines that God's job is to judge. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict. And our job is to love. And yeah, we can sit here and debate arguments and stuff, but it's it's not our job to to really convict that other person it's it's holy spirit and it's through them reading the word and and getting to know god on a, on a personal level that that's where that change comes from you know i can i can sit here all day and waste a bunch of air through speaking and, and my breath but that ultimately is not going to change that person and that's that's where we have to rely on holy spirit and rely on that god breathed his holy scripture that mm-hmm. that's That's why it is sharper than a two-edged sword, that it's going to cut between bone and marrow, that scripture is there to do its job. And that's where the conviction, that's where Holy Spirit breathes breathes in that conviction. Yeah, I agree.
0: I think one other point, though, that I would add is that it doesn't, I don't believe that it means we should be silent. Like, I think that we get that message a fair amount. From the world more so than, well, and in churches. But I guess just to clarify, I don't think it means we are soft on truth and that we don't share scripture. It's just that we don't need to expect to change someone. Yep. We can present the truth and we can share God's word, but nothing that we do is going to actually cause someone to repent and come to Christ, and
1: change their attitude towards God. Right, and tying it back into James's testimony, I mean, that's where he had to, you know, where you were talking about, like, it had to be my conviction, and it had, it cu- I couldn't rely on my parents' faith anymore. I yeah. had to stand on my own.
2: And I had all the knowledge. Yeah. But at that point in my life, it wasn't a conviction. It wasn't something that I had taken and accepted and believed in and made my own.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what makes someone a true Christian. If you have had that experience of saying, like, I understand this, and I'm going to choose to make this what I stand on, what I believe, what I hope in.
2: And that's one of the reasons I like Romans ten, nine, and 10 so much.
0: Do you feel like there have been times since you've made that decision that you've been tempted to try to walk away from it?
2: Hmm, that's a great question. I don't think so. I don't think I've been tempted to walk away from it. I think that there's been times I can recall in my walk with Christ where I've gotten to points where I'm very discouraged or very frustrated, even to the point where maybe I'm angry with God with certain situation or certain things. But I can't say that I've ever been tempted to walk away from it you know i feel like when it when it comes down to it through whatever struggles i might be going through i feel like you always have that that foundation and that that salvation that you kind of fall back on and it's always there and let's be real a lot of times when you get to those positions a lot of it is selfishness you're angry because something didn't go your way and i think that I've learned and am still learning that you have to step back and recognize that God is sovereign. He does know what's going on and we don't. So to directly answer your question, no, I I wouldn't say that I've ever been tempted to walk away from it. Just kind of go through those normal struggles that most Christians probably work through over the course of their walk.
0: You also brought up kind of having an attitude of not wanting to listen to your parents when you were a teenager. No. (laughs) (laughs) What would you turn around and say to someone who's, you know, 13 to 19, who's experiencing those attitudes now that you're an adult and you can look back at the rules and guidance your parents gave you? What would you say to a teenager now?
2: What I say to my almost teenager often, I'm not trying to ruin your life. (laughs) I think we end up saying that to our kids once in a while. Um, I would say something along those lines. It does feel like your parents are just trying to hold you back and ruin your life and make sure you have no fun. And that's not the reality. The reality is your parents have a broader perspective that you just simply, you don't have at that point. And as a teenager, if someone would have told me that, I probably would have shrugged my shoulders and said, eh, so what? (laughs) But I think that's, that's true. And I think deep down, even the teenagers recognize that with age does come a little bit more perspective. And as an adult, you can see how some of the decisions that you may make at that point in your life could have a large impact on the rest of your life. And I think that teenagers aren't maybe going to see it that way, but as parents, we're trying to help guide you. It's like putting the bumpers up when you're bowling. We're trying to help guide you get to the right spot without going in the gutter and getting stuck in the gutter. And I think that that analogy can kind of be used with life too. As a teenager or young adult, you can make decisions that can get you stuck on the wrong trajectory or the wrong path. So, I don't know if that answers your question, but I guess that's kind of what I would say and what I see from my life. And I'm thankful that my parents were able to keep those bumpers up and keep me between the (laughs) gutters, (laughs) even though I didn't respect it or like it at the time.
0: Yeah. And it's such a reflection of how God is with us. Yes. You know, he gives us that example in scripture of being the father for a reason, (laughs) you know? And I think often people look at quote unquote rules presented in scripture as something that hinders them. And it isn't, it's God putting the bumpers up and saying like, I want to save you from a bunch of hurt. I want to save you from a bunch of harm. I'm putting these bumpers up to help guide you in the best way. And I think when you change your perspective on that, to look at it as these are loving requirements versus how sometimes our kids view it as, you know, (laughs) you're just trying to ruin my life. (laughs) (laughs) It makes a big difference because God has a broader picture And a bigger perspective than us, just like we have a bigger perspective and a broader picture than our kids. So, that relationship picture is so important because we can look at the relationships in our lives and see that reflection of God through them, you know, father, son, or mother, daughter, or husband, wife, like all of those relationships ultimately point us back to God and the relationship that he wants to have with us.
1: Thanks for joining us today on this episode of The What Project. If you would like to stay connected, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We hope that you have a great week and that you will join us again on the next episode of The What Project.